I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Today we get a little check at where we are in this world uh, through a little bit of pop culture, which we always like to incorporate in to see how this all fits together. Uh, The dystopian genre has been a big part of our pop culture for decades and decades. And so uh, it's an interesting genre, but it isn't useful just for entertainment value. There are some important lessons in terms of where society actually is. And often those uh, dystopian books or films shed light into the worries and fears that everyday citizens have about government. Uh, And those fears about government have changed over the decades. And uh, Joanna Weiss uh, is a political magazine contributor and writer and the editor of Experience Magazine, published by Northeastern University. And uh, Joanna, we're thrilled to have you on. And I I love you taking us on this walk of where we've been in terms of these uh, dystopian uh, genres of pop culture and how it really shows our worries uh, about government. Thank you for having me. And yeah, it's been a little bit of a, a ride through doom over the decades. <laughs> it's so depressing reading and watching in there. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's go back a little bit and look at at some of those. Uh, I think the the one a lot of people relate to is that you know there's some grand conspiracy uh, theory that the uh, the government is is driving on all of us. Right. Well, those are the first things that people think of. I think when they think about dystopia, they think about 1984, which was, uh, you know, written in the what the the 40s. Uh, they think about Brave New World, which is also, you know, mid mid 20th century, and uh, those really famous kind of opening dystopias, uh, the, the first ones that that got really widespread readership and kind of started off the genre. They were really a response to World War One, World War Two, the yeah. idea of a bureaucratic state that had mechanized warfare that could wreak a whole lot of havoc and destruction and misery with the apparatus of the state. And so a lot of these stories had to do with a powerful state and the individual being quashed, crushed, defeated by this powerful, all-powerful state. Yeah, and so now we've uh, seen that that started to to shift and evolve over time, and it makes me worry more, not not less. I'm, I'm always confident that the citizens could, you know, pull it off in the end in overcoming the the evils of of big government or big you know technocrats or bureaucracies. Uh, but we're entering into some some new space that uh, that makes me a little worried. Yeah, you're right. I mean, toward the end of the century, as the century progressed, we started to see challenges that you couldn't attribute to a few bad people who would, you know, taken over a government. You have the climate, uh, you have, you know, environmental uh, disasters, you have just the sort of slow burn of climate change. 
Uh, you have the threat of disease. You have these amorphous threats. And what you're finding in real life is that governments are struggling with how to deal with that. But, you know, these large, broad, long-term problems are very difficult for any single government to handle. Uh, problems like disease are exacerbated by sources of uh, commerce, by the globalization of the world, the idea that a disease that starts on one continent can almost instantaneously spread to every other continent because we're traveling so much, because we're exchanging goods and services so much. Nothing is isolated anymore either. And so one problem, one, you know, one area of the world's problem becomes the entire world's problem almost instantly. Yeah. And uh, so as you look at some of those, I, I think a lot of this comes down to this idea of trust. Is, is government trustworthy? Are they competent? Can they, can they do the job or, or is it just beyond uh, their realm anymore? Uh, yeah. be, because that element of trust, I think, is so critical. We often talk about it in the context uh, that we've we've stress tested uh, our constitutional republic. You know, in in world wars, in uh, famines, mm-hmm. in economic collapse, we, we've never stress tested it in the absence of trust. And it's almost that some of the this new genre, some of these new uh, pop culture hits that are coming out, are really going into that vein of well, can we can we trust them? And yeah. then what happens? Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Well, yeah, the main piece of pop culture that I wrote about that, that prompted me to start thinking about this in the first place is The Last of Us. The Last of Us is a new series on HBO. It's, uh, it's the, the fifth episode just aired on Friday, usually airs on Sunday nights, but there was a big football game, I understand. I, uh, I heard yesterday. about that, yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't say super, it's, it's just a big game, yeah. <laughs> it's just a big game. Uh, but it was based on actually a, a video game from 2013 and the premise is it's it's a it's a pandemic story really the premise is that there is a fungus that take that is capable of taking over people's brains and it spreads through the food supply and effectively much of the human population is turned into zombies and society falls apart and in this story which is set in the United States, the government tries to take control in in a kind of militarized way. There's a a fictional agency called FEDRA, which is kind of a, if if you militarized FEMA, that's how you might be able to think of it. But they are overwhelmed. And because of that, they are cruel. They do all kinds of fascist things. I don't want to spoil too much, but they're, they're not the good guys, but they are not the, they're not the bad guys because they have some kind of, big brother-esque totalitarian master plan that they're able to execute. They are the bad guys because they are totally overwhelmed. And the only way that they can even pretend to impose order is through cruelty and violence. So it's a whole different flipping of the idea of what government's capable of. Yeah. And so now uh, connect all the dots for us, uh, Joanna, in terms of uh, what does this really tell us? And then what's the message we ought to take away and actually do something about, uh, not in the pop culture, but in real life? (laughs) You know, fortunately, we don't have a zombie apocalypse yet to deal with. Um, 
And, you know, what, one of the messages in, in, some, in, in The Last of Us and in some other books that, are, that, that uh, have similar themes, I'm thinking about Octavia Butler's The Parable of the Sower, which is kind of one of the, one of the early examples of a government incapable of things, uh, apocalypse, uh, dystopia from the 90s. You know, some, some of these books, I, I'm also thinking about Steven Soderbergh's movie Contagion from 2011. Right. Part of the message is, boy, we have to get our act together now and try to figure out what about globalization is leaving us vulnerable. Are there border checks that we're not doing? Is there quality control? Are we unleashing the, the sort of lax oversight because the, because profit's the most important goal and not really putting the kind of moral and uh, safety checks on what we're doing so that we're exacerbating the problem? Are there things that we can do from a from an oversight standpoint to keep these problems from becoming global problems so quickly and to understand what the risks are? Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. That's something that governments maybe can do in the here and now to try to work together and coordinate to deal with uh, climate change. Let's, let's actually get our act together and try to do something while we still can before the zombies come and get us. That's right. If we can, um, we then, can do it before the zombies come, that's the big deal. Before the, that's the <laughs> timeline issue there. I mean, on an individual level, I think the message is that people need to start working together, which is a little bit pat, but is also stories. Is they're not these modern stories about these modern dystopian stories about ineffective government. The government, because it's ineffective, is not really the presence. It's not in the foreground. It's not about mm. the government. They're kind of the backdrop yeah. for these human stories. And the stories are really about survival and community and the way that people in this very desperate situation can still build community, find each other, help each other. And so if there is a way for us to practice those skills before the zombie apocalypse (laughs) and sort of understand maybe how those skills can apply to government today, I feel like if there's any nugget of hope in these dystopias, that's where it is. Uh, Fantastic. Joanna Weiss is a political magazine contributing writer and the editor of Experience Magazine, published by Northeastern University, and proving that we can get to principles even in pop culture zombie timelines. Uh, Joanna, great insight, (laughs) great piece. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. All right. And that's some great insight uh, there by Joanna Weiss, uh, because we can get to those principles of community, of culture, of working together across our differences. And let's all do it before the zombies come. We'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. More coming up on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.